Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode of Ghost Town may contain disturbing or graphic descriptions which may not be suitable for all audiences. Please use discretion while listening. Don't answer the phone. I'm Jason Horton. I'm Rebecca Lieb. And this is Ghost Town. August 1995, friends and co-workers Christina Rhodes and Marsha Bratzel were on their shift at a Saybrook Township, Ohio McDonald's when the phone rings. McDonald's manager James Turcott picks up the phone, talking intensely to the person on the other end of the line. The girls, both minors, are separately asked into Turcott's office, and Turcott tells each girl that he's on the phone with the sheriff's deputy. In both cases, the teenagers were handed the telephone and told that a customer's change purse was reported stolen. Then, over the phone, the deputy instructs each girl to allow Turcotte to strip-search them. While Bratzel suspiciously agreed to an over-the-clothes pat-down, Rhodes was humiliatingly partially strip-searched by the adult Turcotte, a scared teenager complying with a mysterious person through a phone receiver by way of her own manager. The call to the Saybrook Township McDonald's was one of the first of many requests from a mysterious caller to fast food restaurants all over the United States. Calls that would become a kind of traumatizing social experiment, testing work constructs, gender and age relations, and ultimately demonstrating insane abuse of power. Today, we're talking about the Strip Search McDonald's phone scam. The first reported instance of the strip search phone scam also occurred in Saybrook Township, Ohio, just a year before Rhodes and Bratzell's fateful phone call. Two more calls were reported in 1995, one in Devil's Lake, North Dakota, and another in Fallon, Nevada. That same year, a man claiming to be a county deputy sheriff called a pizza hut in Starkville, Mississippi, and accused an employee of stealing money from a customer. The manager of the restaurant was called to the pizza hut and was asked to strip search that employee. More and more phone calls of this nature started trickling in. All in all, over 70 calls were reported in 30 states between the years of 1994 and 2004. And they would all be fairly similar. 
a mail caller who identified himself as a police officer or other authority figure asking for a manager or supervisor. The caller would then solicit their help in detaining an employee or customer, saying that the employee or customer was suspected of a crime, like theft or drug possession. The caller, again asserting his role as a police officer or investigator, would give the restaurant or business manager a generic description of who he was looking for. Typically, that person was a young woman who was currently employed there. The manager, of course, would recognize at least one of the many young women who worked under his supervision. Keep in mind, these jobs were often entry-level, minimum-wage, fast-food positions, jobs many younger people might hold. Then the caller would ask the manager to search the suspected person. The quote-unquote search would start as a strip search, but might gradually become more invasive and often sexual. Eventually, the situation would escalate and the caller would put the manager in a position where he would do almost anything the caller asked. Spanking, kissing, inappropriate touching, oral sex, and more. These excruciating instances might last hours before the participants of the strip search realized that the person on the other line was not an officer of the law at all, but a random stranger. And their traumatic experience, part of a perverse hoax. On December 16, 1999, in Blackfoot, Ohio, a phone call to a pizza parlor from someone identifying as Officer Davis for the Blackfoot Police Department accused a 16-year-old female server of stealing a woman's purse with a $50 bill in it earlier that evening. The caller convinced the manager to strip-search the employee and to provide detailed descriptions of her naked body. The incident mercifully ended when a 22-year-old male colleague of the victim came into the office and stopped the search, confronting the caller before they ultimately hung up. On November 30th, 2000, a female McDonald's manager in Litchfield, Kentucky, undressed herself in front of a random customer. The caller had convinced her that the customer was a, quote, suspected sex offender and that the manager needed to, quote, bait them so that undercover police officers could arrest them. In 2001, the manager of a Hooters in Charleston, West Virginia, told two female employees that a police officer had called the restaurant and reported a stolen change purse. The caller told the women to strip in front of the manager and said they'd arrest them if they didn't cooperate. In December 2001, a supervisor for an Indianapolis-area Burger King restaurant strip-searched a part-time 15-year-old female employee in front of her co-workers. I'm sure you know where this is going because a, quote, policeman called in, claiming the employee stole a purse. The caller asked for a description of the employee's hair and tan lines during the event. At first, officers didn't believe these calls were scams at all. They just thought the managers were being creepy, manipulative, abusive assholes, illegally wielding their power. But dozens of calls came in over the years, all perversely similar. Because of that, law enforcement began to believe one man was behind the scam. And the man was persistent. By 2004, Burger King, Applebee's, Neighborhood Grill and Bar, and Taco Bell had already all been scammed, and McDonald's had received calls to at least 17 different stores. In November 2002, a manager at a Taco Bell in Statesboro, Georgia, received a call from a detective claiming that a purse had been stolen from the lobby by a young woman who worked there. The manager then proceeded to take their 19-year-old female employee to his office, where he stripped her of her uniform, reading the clothes tags for the caller on the other end, and put her clothes tags in the company's safe. Then the caller told the manager to have the employee exercise before rubbing and inspecting most of her body, claiming to see if any sweat would reveal, quote, green residue on her body, indicating contact with stolen money. In February 2003, a phone call was made to a McDonald's in Hinesville, Georgia. The female manager, who believed she was speaking to a police officer who was with someone from the restaurant's upper management, took a female employee into the women's bathroom and strip-searched her. 
She also brought in a 55-year-old male janitor who conducted an intimate body cavity search of the woman to, quote, uncover hidden drugs. On June 3rd, 2003, a Taco Bell manager in Juneau, Alaska, received a call from a man who claimed to be working for Taco Bell, investigating drug abuse at the restaurant. The manager then picked a 14-year-old female customer, whom he believed to have drugs, strip-searched the customer, and made her perform several lewd acts at the caller's request. In July 2003, a Winn-Dixie grocery store manager in Panama City, Florida, received a phone call instructing him to bring a female cashier, who matched a description provided by the caller, into an office where she was to be strip-searched. The cashier was forced to undress and assume various poses as part of the search. The incident ended when another manager entered the office to retrieve a set of keys and was shocked by what was going on. They made their colleagues stop the search and hang up on the call immediately. On December 18, 2003, a call was placed to a blockbuster video franchise in Bismarck, North Dakota. The caller claimed to be a local police officer saying an employee at the blockbuster had committed theft. They asserted that the employee could be searched by a manager because of Blockbuster's special, quote, privacy policy. Then, the female employee was taken to the back office where she was subsequently strip-searched both by the manager and a male co-worker. In February 2004, four separate Wendy's restaurant branches within Plymouth County, Massachusetts, were the targets of a strip-search phone call hoax in the course of one single night. All of this is absolutely horrible. Thankfully, the strip search McDonald's caller would soon be stopped, but not before one last horrific incident. We'll talk about it after the break. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can live out your MasterChef dream. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Hi, hello. How are you doing? Hello. We're checking in. How's it going out there? Is it In the free world. Okay. Yes. Um, in the free and open, beautiful world out there. It's a free market. It's true. It's true. Everyone's doing their thing. How are our free market capitalists doing today? <laughs> That's good. Uh, we're in a little socialist bungalow here and just wanted to bridge the gap. Comrades. That's right. That's right. We are your comrades. Don't yeah. ever forget it. We want to say hello to anyone who's listening, supporting us, spreading the good, good word of Ghost Ghost Town. Thank you. Thank you very, very much, much. We want to say... 
a good old-fashioned hello to our government. Absolutely. Always. Without which we would not know what – we'd be – would we even plug anything in? Mm-mm. Would we know? No. What would we be doing this for? We have statues of them just yes. like our just like our, our, our comrades. That's true. We got – we got busts, we got pillars, we got amphorae with their faces carved in. You should see this place. We got tasteful artwork. Oh, always, always. The Mayors, whose favorite capitalist movie is Money Train, featuring the two people that are in the movie Money Train. I don't know who's in it, but it's called Money Train. There's money in it and there's a train. What else do you need? To know who's in it other than that. <laughs> that would be Ashley Matson. Hello. And the next mayor whose capitalist movie is Moneyball. <laughs> There's Jonah Hill. Sure. Is that even about capitalism? It's about money balls. Fair. You know? Good. I think it's about baseball from what I remember. Yeah. Money and balls. What else do you want? To know who's in it. <laughs> oh. That'd be Cat Joselle. Hello. Next capitalist movie mayor is <laughs> I'm going a different direction. Brewster's Millions. You familiar with that movie? I am familiar I love, with that movie. I love that movie. Um it's great movie. It's 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 depending on what side you are, it's both pro pro capitalism and also um mm-hmm. you know, pro does money is money important? Wow. The answer is yes. <laughs> That's Richard Pryor is in that one. <laughs> okay, good. We're getting there. That's Kelly Meehan. Hello. Our next capitalist movie, For a Fistful of Dollars. Oh, the Western. Western. Yeah. This is an interesting journey you're taking us on. Probably Clint Eastwood. Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Okay. <laughs> well, that'd be Casey Weber. Hello. And our governor. Who, baby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Has her face on the money. That's right. She is, is the money. She decides whether it's inflation or deflation. Yeah, she's like... You want it in Taylor Swift tickets? Sure thing. Why not? Yeah. Her capitalist movie? Hollywood itself. <laughs> oh, the longest movie. That would be our governor, Avian Noble. Noble. If you want no ads, no chit-chat, bonus episodes, just the good stuff, seven days free. Check in, check out, or stick around and support us. Whatever. Sure. Patreon.com slash ghost town pod. I do have an Apple podcast review or two. Hmm. Appreciate you and your podcast, Five Stars. Thank you for finding these fantastic tales. I look forward to these each week, and I really enjoy your quote-unquote checking in breaks as well. Mm. It's a nice balance of comedy and drama. That's BamCabin.com, our friend on Instagram. Yeah. Check out BamCabin, B-A-M-C-A-B-I-N in the U.S. of A. BamCabin always is liking liking posts and stuff like that. I notice. I appreciate. I agree. agree. That's It keeps us going, believe me, because it is... We need stuff to keep us going. I'll just say that. Unraveling the Unexplained. Must subscribe. Mm. Five stars. Ghost Town Podcast is an absolute gem for anyone who loves a good mystery. With historical depth, Jason Horton and Rebecca Lieb are a dynamic duo seamlessly... Combining their passion for paranormal experiences and weird historical events, their storytelling is top-notch, and they manage to strike the perfect balance between thrilling and educational. Each episode takes you on a thrilling adventure from deserted amusement parks to the darkest true crimes in history. Did we write this? (laughs) Sometimes I think, is AI like kind of taking over and being like, you need a review? 
I'm never disappointed. If you're looking for a podcast that will keep you on the edge of your seat and ignite your curiosity, Ghost Town Podcast is the one for you. That's at Jensen11 US and Day. So, oh my God. If you want to give us a hello on Apple Podcasts or, or anywhere, please do. If you already have, thank you so much. Yeah, it doesn't we have to be as well written as that. No, yeah. G- beautiful Can piece that of marketing. write our other stuff? <laughs> I, know, I know. Can we hire you? Please. Not a joke. <laughs> yeah, not a joke. All right, speaking of not, no more jokes, let's, yeah, uh, let's, let's get back, get to, back to it. All right, deep breath. We're going to get back in because on April 9th, 2004, a call was made to a McDonald's restaurant in Mount Washington, Kentucky. According to assistant manager Donna Summers, the caller identified himself as a policeman named Officer Scott. Officer Scott asked for a slightly built young white woman with blonde hair whom he suspected of theft. Summers believed his description was for a woman named Louise Ogborn, an 18-year-old, church-going, high school senior, and former Girl Scout. Louise Ogborn had taken the $6.35 an hour position after her mother lost her job to help out her family. Quote, He gave me a description of the girl, and Louise was the one who fit it to the T, Summers said. At that point, Ogborn had worked at the McDonald's for four months and was a model employee, responsible, hardworking, not one reprimand. At the time, she was currently working her shift. The caller issued an ultimatum. Ogborn could be searched at the store as the police were on their way, or be arrested, taken to jail, and searched there. So Summers brought Ogden into an office and ordered her to remove her clothes, which Summers then placed in a bag and took to her car, as instructed. Embarrassed, the teenager put on a restaurant apron to at least partially cover herself. Kim Dockery, another assistant manager, also witnessed the search. Dockery herself believed she was there as a witness to an important police search for important stolen items. Dockery left after an hour and Summers told the caller that she needed to get back to work. The caller then told Summers to bring in someone who she trusted to assist, so she asked a cook named Jason Bradley to help her. Summers put Bradley on the phone with the caller, who told him to remove Ogborn's apron and describe her. Bradley refused to do this and immediately left the office. Summers then called her own fiancé, Walter Nix Jr., to help watch Ogborn, and he did, eventually getting on the line with the caller. For the next two hours, Nix watched the nude, petrified teenager while surveillance cameras recorded the whole thing. Quote, I was bawling my eyes out and literally begging them to take me to the police station because I didn't do anything wrong, Ogborn said later in a deposition. Quote, I couldn't steal. I'm too honest. I stole a pencil one time from a teacher, and I gave it back. Obeying the instructions of the caller, Nix removed Ogborn's apron, the only thing she had on, and ordered her to dance and do jumping jacks. Nix then ordered her to insert her fingers into her vagina and have him examine it. He also ordered her to sit on his lap and kiss him, which Ogborn flat out refused to do. Then the caller told Nix to spank Ogden until she promised to do so, and he did. The caller also spoke to Ogborn and demanded she cooperate or terrible things would happen to her. Recalling the incident later, Ogborn said, I was scared for my life. After Ogborn had been in the office for two and a half hours, she was ordered to perform oral sex on Nix. Summers returned to the office periodically, and during these times, Ogborn was instructed by the caller to cover herself with the apron. The caller then permitted Nix to leave on the condition that Summers would find someone to replace him. After Nix left the building, he called a friend and told him, quote, I have done something terribly bad. At that point, it was the dinner rush and Nix had just left, so Summers enlisted Thomas Sims, the McDonald's maintenance man, who had stopped in for a dessert. She told Sims to go into the office and watch Ogborn, but as soon as Sims entered the room, he didn't like what was going on, refused to go along with any of the caller's demands, and left. 
At this point, Summers herself became suspicious and calls a higher-level manager whom the caller claimed to have spoken to previously. When Summers calls the higher-up manager, she is shocked. The manager had been sleeping and hadn't spoken to anyone, let alone a police officer. She realized the weight of what she had done to her poor employee, and as soon as she realizes this, the caller abruptly ends the call. Another employee dialed star 69 before another call could ring in, and Summers gets the number of the caller's telephone. Summers is now hysterical, apologizing profusely to Ogborn, who is wrapped in a blanket and after three and a half hours, finally released from the office. The police are called and arrest Nix for sexual assault, while simultaneously trying to find out who made the long, horrific call to the restaurant. At one point, Summers said later, she asked herself why it was taking so long for police to show up. The Mount Washington PD was less than a mile away. But, quote, when I asked him questions about why, she said, he always had an answer. According to her attorney, Summers also watched the surveillance tape later that night and broke off her engagement with Nix. After a simple internet search, Mount Washington police realize how many similar incidents have happened like this over the years. Using the Star 69 callback information, police determine that the call has originated from a supermarket payphone in Panama City, Florida, using an AT&T phone card. The largest retailer of these phone cards was a Walmart in Panama City, who had already been contacted by a Massachusetts investigation into the caller. This East Coast investigation pinpointed the purchase of another phone card at another Walmart. Using the records of the Panama City Walmart, which showed the cash register and the time of purchase of the phone card, Mount Washington police were able to find surveillance camera footage of the purchaser and of the card. The Massachusetts investigation had gone cold when their surveillance video failed to show the purchaser, but somehow the Mount Washington police had it. It doesn't make any sense to me why Mount Washington would have it and Massachusetts wouldn't, but okay. The purchaser in the Panama City video was wearing a correctional officer's uniform for like a private security firm. And the man in the uniform is seen buying both cards. Videos and still photographs from the two Walmarts where the two cards were purchased were compared. The man is identified as David R. Stewart, a husband with five children who is arrested soon after. Detectives also find other telling things as they search Stewart's home, another phone card that was used to call nine restaurants involved in the scam, and dozens of applications for police department jobs, hundreds of police magazines, police-style uniforms, guns, and holsters. Clearly, this man was the mastermind of the hoax, and clearly, he wanted to be in charge. Stewart was extradited to Kentucky to be tried on charges of impersonating a police officer and solicitation of sodomy. On October 31st, 2006, he was acquitted of all charges. The evidence, especially not having a direct recording of Stewart's voice, likely led the jury to a not guilty verdict. Louise Ogborn, the Mount Washington victim, underwent therapy and medication to address post-traumatic stress disorder and depression. She decided not to attend the University of Louisville, where she had been accepted and anticipated becoming a pre-med student. In an interview with ABC News, she said that after the abuse, she felt dirty and had difficulty making and maintaining friendships because she couldn't, quote, allow anyone to get too close to her. While Stewart was not found guilty, after his arrest, all strip search McDonald's phone scam calls mysteriously stopped. Or maybe not so mysteriously. Okay, but we do get some justice. Donna Summers was fired from the McDonald's for violating corporate policies prohibiting both strip searches and for allowing a non-McDonald's employee to enter the restaurant's office. Summers entered an Alfred guilty plea to a single count of unlawful imprisonment as a misdemeanor and was sentenced to one-year probation. Kim Dockery was transferred to work at another location. Walter Nix pleaded guilty to sexual abuse, sexual misconduct, and unlawful imprisonment and was sentenced to five years in prison. 
Rhodes and Bratzel, the two girls from the opening of this episode, subsequently sued for molestation and severe emotional distress, one of three other lawsuits related to the strip search phone call scam. I don't know how these cases ended, but I think, I believe, they settled out of court. Donna Summers also sued McDonald's, asking for $50 million for failing to warn her about the previous hoaxes. Summers was awarded $1 million in punitive damages and $100,000 in compensatory damages. In 2009, the Kentucky Court of Appeals upheld the jury's verdict, but reduced the punitive damages award to Summers to $400,000. Louise Ogborn sued McDonald's for $200 million for failing to protect her during her whole ordeal. Ogborn was rewarded $5 million in punitive damages and $1.1 million in compensatory damages and expenses, plus legal fees. Ultimately, the jury decided in Ogborn's case that McDonald's and the unnamed caller were each 50% at fault for the abuse that Ogborn was subject to. It's a controversial thought. Who is really to blame? But what I wonder is, will this type of scam ever happen again? Hopefully not, due to more modern technology, but also restaurant policy. After the court decisions, McDonald's revised its manager training program to emphasize awareness of scam phone calls and protection of employees' rights, which should have happened, obviously, in the first place. To me, this is not wholly about who is at fault, though, of course, I think there is a lot of blame to pass around, but the dangers of trusting institutions. We place so much trust in authority in general, too much trust, revering who we think is in power and obeying them to a fault, wherever they reside, be it a corner office, wearing a shiny uniform, or on the other end of a telephone. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.